Hi, I'm Soraya. And I'm Kylie. And this is the first episode of... But Now What? The podcast that makes you feel like a goddamn cheetah. Or a gosh darn cheetah. <laughs> How many times have we said that joke now? <laughs> it's still funny. Every time. Um, we are going to talk about the book Untamed today and why it inspired this podcast to be born. But before that, we want to introduce ourselves. Yeah, so Soraya and I are cousins um, and friends. Um, <laughs> Love that. Long-time friends. Uh, we've known each other about four or five years now. Um, and one thing that uh, bonded us is our love for learning and new knowledge. And uh, we both have a big passion for um, broadening our horizons and learning things that uh, we don't already know. And this podcast kind of gives us a platform to um, hold ourselves accountable to that learning and then also to doing more with that learning um, to ask ourselves, again, bigger questions about how we can apply what we learn. Exactly. I feel like a lot of times when I learn something, I'm like, great, another thing to add to the burdened shelf. (laughs) Never-ending list. uh, Of things that I need to fix or address Mm -hmm. or become very passionate about. And I am in no way saying that that's not what we should do or what people do. But I do always wonder, but now what? And um, so this podcast started because in Untamed, Glennon Doyle essentially is doing that. She's asking um, her readers and herself to address the knowing, which is the internal knowledge that you have and and light that leads you towards what you want to do, what you enjoy, uh, what brings you joy, and what to do next with that and making decisions and things like that. So that is the overarching theme for what pushed this podcast forward. And let's jump in. I do want to leave a a quick trigger warning that um, Kylie and I have both left a high demand religion and that this book did help us navigate through it and our faith journey. Um, This podcast isn't going to focus solely on our faith transitions or journeys, um, which is why it was hard for us to decide um, how to talk about that in the first ever podcast. Um, but we felt that it was important and relevant because it inspired, uh, the book Untamed inspired us to even begin this podcast. Um, we will leave some spots in the notes section that uh, might tell you where to skip if you are um, feeling a little sensitive towards faith journeys and transitions. Anything you want to say about that, Kylie? Yeah, I would just say, I know that for me, as I was going through that faith transition, um, it was really hard for me to hear um, other people who were at a different place in that experience um, from me. And oftentimes, um, I still think, um, you know, in having conversations with other people who um, are at a different spot in their own um, journey with their faith and their own relationship with a high demand religion, um, I think it, it was important for me always to consider how I can best um, show them love and um, respect in monitoring how I talk about my own experience. Um, this is not a criticism or a judgment on um, A, any religion, and then B, anyone who affiliates with any religion. And I think um, both of us have um, really come to strengthen a lot of relationships um, with those individuals who maybe we've had the hardest time navigating those mm-hmm. conversations with. And um, I think ultimately have come out with a lot of um yeah relationships that are built on mutual understanding mutual respect 
Um, and that should also be the same feeling that we leave listeners with is that, um, you know, it's a safe place to come with any of your own beliefs, your own understandings, your own outlooks on the world. Um, and again, please share those with us as well. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but also as we're sharing our own experiences, um, these are not meant to limit, um, you know, anyone's broader understanding of how the world works. Um, you know, is there a higher power? Any of these larger questions that obviously all of us are plagued with at one point or another in our lives. Um, where we found comfort and solace, um, even individually is different. And so, um, wherever you're at is okay (laughs) and your own experiences and your own beliefs. And yeah, this is a safe place for you. When COVID happened and uh, a lot of church services were canceled, um, we spent a lot of time doing um, spirituality and church service in the home. And at the same time as that happened, I was reading Untamed. She speaks a lot about religion in her book as well. Um, Both she and her wife um, have had different experiences within religion and some trauma. And it it kind of coincided perfectly um, with my own. I had a fairly positive experience. Um, Lots of wonderful people in my life related to the church that um, helped it to be more of a positive experience. But there were some things that, uh, I don't know, burrowed themselves under my skin. And as I started addressing those things, um, I realized some truth about myself and about that high demand religion, which I should say for for our <laughs> listeners, uh, Kylie and I, we both belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also commonly known as the LDS Church or the Mormon Faith. Um, we might address it as either of those things um, at this time, though it is. It should be known that the the full name of the church is that very long name. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say just for time, it might just be the Mormon Church on the podcast. Um, and I had a very similar experience um, with COVID hitting. Um, it was interesting that um, I was attending a university that is um, owned by the church and does have um, religious affiliations, and um, part of our um, you know commitment to that school and and to our education was that we did need to attend regularly um, those church services. And so it was an adjustment for me um, that church services were canceled for a period of time. Um, And, you know, typically Sundays, um, I had a lot of time set aside that I planned on attending church and um, a lot of other activities um, with our um, congregation, with our ward unit. Um, and so that was an interesting transition for me to have a lot of extra time to um, just kind of do my own self-reflection and um, to really look for spiritual experiences and for um, kind of faith-building experiences that I would normally go to church to find. Um, and I was trying to find those personally and in my own way and in my own time. Um, and so that was one thing that <clears throat> was a large transition for me. But I was able to start finding those experiences other places and other places and other ways. Um, and that came as a big shock to me. Um, I wasn't sure how I could go from something so structured and having a regular um, kind of check-in point every week with church services um, to all of a sudden being kind of on my own to navigate a lot of those bigger questions. And it did feel pretty isolating, pretty lonely. Yeah. Um, which again, that's where I'm super grateful that, um, Soraya and I were living close at the time. We had a lot of opportunities to touch base with each other, um, to check in. You were like my COVID 
big transition buddy. Yeah. Anyhow, we had a lot of um, first maybe like soda runs and then like coffee runs um, <laughs> eventually. So um, shout out to Dutch Bros for getting us through a long <laughs> summer, <laughs> a long COVID summer. Um, but yeah, I think those uh, that community was important to find um, even as I did um, stop having the consistency of um, the Mormon church um, and I think a lot of um, Glennon Doyle's um, book really also helped me to navigate questions of um, like what were some of the structural um, elements that were in place in my life that were um, both helping and hurting me. Um, And so I think that there was a bigger analysis um, that I had to do individually into um, what a lot of my deeply held beliefs, you know, religious beliefs, political beliefs, social beliefs, um, what a lot of those beliefs had stemmed from. And I started to have, I started having to ask myself, um, you know, are those beliefs in place um, because I do believe them to my core uh, or how much was um, just taught to me and how much did I adopt from other um, sources besides my own voice. I feel like these are things that a lot of people do like as a coming of age exploration of themselves, right? And I think it's interesting though that both you and I, we started doing this in our 20s (laughs) when a lot of people start to do this like as a teenager, but a lot of that reason behind that is because we, in that religion, we're I don't know, molded into a a specific way of life and belief. Like both of us served service missions for that church and you had to be strictly obedient and, and not question things right for the benefit of yourself. So we were told. And so as we stepped away from that mold and this time that was given to us, it was interesting to see what things aligned, what things misaligned. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. As you said. Yeah. And there was a lot of fear that came with that too. Right. Of like, if you um, have been hesitant to ask questions or if you've been directly told even like don't question these things that you were taught um, that was a really hard breaking point for I think both of us to say like um, sometimes it's important to ask questions and um, you know sometimes asking questions all it does is reaffirm what you already know mm-hmm. and then sometimes it does lead you down a different path and so um, again you know when you do start to ask some of those harder questions about maybe the origins of your deeply held beliefs um, or the beliefs that you are holding true to, um, it's important that you also know it's okay if those questions just bring you to um, bring you back to the the beliefs that you've always held, right? Um, sometimes those questions will just reaffirm to you, um, oh yeah, what I believe is um, is true to me, and that I have um, done enough research and enough digging and enough question asking. Um, to really feel confident in those beliefs that I've held. And I think that a lot of what we were taught growing up was was to ask questions. It was just, I don't know that we were asking all the right questions that helped right. us um, truly get to the core of like what our values and what our beliefs um, were. Mm-hmm. And there was kind of a little bit of confinement about like what kind of questions we could ask. Absolutely. Um, I think that's also a nice segue into how Glennon starts her book, Untamed. Because she starts by introducing a story that she, her wife, and her kids had experienced when they went to the zoo. And uh, they saw in this exhibit a cheetah and a lab dog. Um, The zoo instructor was having the dog chase a bunny around. And then they tied that same bunny to the back of a truck. And they had the cheetah follow. And the symbolism behind it was that, like, 
this cheetah and the dog were best friends and whatever one of them did, the other one did, even though a cheetah in the wild would not be following a dog around <laughs> or a stuffed the dirty bunny. The dog would bunny. not be there. Right. <laughs> the dog would be eaten. Yeah, but I think this cheetah didn't get asked the right questions mm-hmm. about her real identity, her real purpose, and maybe even her friendship to the dog. Yeah, really? <laughs> Bless like them. they were meant to be friends they were they were taught to be friends they were conditioned to behave in that certain way and um, at a certain point the cheetah had no real understanding of its own power and its own um even again i think deeply held um beliefs and needs um like i think that the cheetah did need to act on kind of its more wild um, self (laughs) you know i think that's part of what makes a cheetah cheetah right um but at the same time um there would have to be a lot of now unconditioning Mm -hmm. um to teach that cheetah how to hunt its prey in the wild um versus in a zoo exhibit um Mm -hmm. (laughs) where the where they've been set up to um find their food in a certain way and be instructed in a certain way um by you know the humans around them and it definitely does um it probably would cause quite an identity crisis for the cheetah to be like thrown out in the in the wild again and be like okay yeah actually you're gonna have to find your find your food by hunting it where's the pink bunny (laughs) yeah that's what i chase where's the car that's gonna yeah that i'm gonna follow Mm -hmm. definitely would be a little bit of a shock yeah Glennon mentions that um, there's this point where she is looking at this cheetah and and its eyes are filled with wild all of a sudden. And then it kind of goes away. She's back in her surroundings and, and Glennon talks about her own life and how she's been tamed and the wild that she is, that she is now becoming untamed to. Um, so yeah, that's how her book starts. Um, it also inspired a couple questions for Kylie and I. Um, I'm going to ask you the first question. Is that okay? Okay, let's go for it. All right. What ways have we been tamed as women to forget our wild? I think it's interesting that um, a lot of her own shared experiences, um, she does reference um, her role, her top role as a woman a lot. Um, and gender roles come up quite a bit throughout the book. And then especially um, kind of um, a marriage between gender roles and also ideas about women within like an evangelical Christian, um, understanding. So, mm-hmm. um, her experience was unique. And I also think that's probably why we related to it a lot is because, um, we did have similar understandings of, um, a woman, a woman's purpose, and those things had been taught. And again, we were conditioned mm-hmm. to think that, um, you know, our role as women is to have babies. Mm-hmm. Our role is to, um, make personal sacrifices of the things that we want of our own goals and ambition and drive um, to serve as kind of a help meet for a partner that we either do or do not have at this point. We do not love to see it. (laughs) No. (laughs) And uh, um, as a single woman um, in my mid-20s, within my background, um, it's interesting that it's pretty unusual for a, um, a woman to not have already been married and had a baby at this point in time um (laughs) but uh, not only unusual but also like there's definitely a feeling of like shame around um about around women who have um either selected purposefully or had to default to a different path in life um due to circumstances um outside of their control um maybe they just didn't meet someone and they don't have a partnership 
And um, yeah, it definitely causes some um, some confusion around um, what our role as women is. So uh, Glennon talks a lot about um, her own conditioning, um, and you know she was a lot of reflecting on, um, you know, as a woman, I was taught this is my role. I am a um, help to my husband, but um, she didn't find her own identity or her own mm -hmm. um, purpose. Um, and it took her all the way until this point in her life. She has several children now. Um, and now she feels like her marriage is falling apart. And she's kind of left with a lot of questions about, um, you know, where do you go from here when, you know, if, if your role is to be a good wife and your role is to have babies, <laughs> um, what now? You know, what is the purpose of the rest of her life um, when those things haven't panned out like she expected them to? So I think that was one of the, the ways that she felt she had been tamed. She hadn't seen her full potential, uh, all the opportunities that could have been available to her. I think uh, it's also interesting because um, part of their marital problems are that her husband consistently cheats on her. And they go to therapy together and for for a long time, I feel like the underlying assumption is like, but you would stay with him, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't see that the opposite portrayed in life so much. Um, if the the wife and the mother is cheating on the husband, um, they don't get the same grace extended Definitely. towards them. Um, the same questions as to why, right? Like yeah. when a man is cheating on a wife, oh, the wife must not be fulfilling him. If a wife is cheating yeah. on the man, oh, looks like her sexuality just can't be contained. <laughs> she was too wild. Woman. Yeah, exactly. It's like a <laughs> negative thing. Yeah. Um, anyways, I digress, but no. And it's interesting that she even had kind of a career in writing books about mm -hmm. that, right? About like, as a Christian woman, how to keep your husband interested, how to hold yeah. your marriage together. And that she kind of built her career around, um, around these books and around a lot of those ideas and as she's doing her own questioning she's also realizing oh i might have also led a lot of women to, to believe these same things obviously yeah. you know she was not to blame but this is just a commonly held um belief tenant of i think a lot of um western religions in general another thing that we wanted to talk about um right now is so this cheetah was in a cage and what cages exist for us um, one of the first ones that I want to talk about stems from a quote. I'm going to share a couple quotes um, from her book. This one says, when a woman finally learns that pleasing the world is impossible, she becomes free to learn how to please herself. The epitome of womanhood is to lose oneself completely. That is the end goal of every patriarchal culture because a very effective way to control women is to convince women to control themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that relates very well to what Kylie was just talking about um, within motherhood and religion. Um, I'm also reminded, oh, I wonder if I have a better quote for it later, but um, this, I like Taylor Swift unabashedly, Same. especially because I feel like I didn't like Swifties, her unite. earlier. I feel yeah. bad. I, I was one of those people that was influenced by the media and by society <laughs> when they were like, Oh, Taylor Swift, that man-eater. Like, All she does is complain about men. Yeah. But we do not stand that. No. No longer. No toleration for that kind of language here. <laughs> um, and in one of her recent releases, um, one of her recent albums, uh, she has a song called Mad Woman. And in it, she talks about how um, 
women do the dirtiest work for you. They'll hunt witches too. Meaning that they'll attack women as well and they'll tear them down. And I, I think that that is true. What uh, Glennon is saying in that quote, because a very effective way to control women is to convince women to control themselves. I think she's talking about ourselves, but also each other. Um, and how we try to put people in boxes and and judge women for their choices that they make. And it somehow makes us feel better about the choices that we've made for ourselves but really who are making those decisions it's oh yeah none of the women another thing that uh, a cage that i have found personally in my life has been family and friends which i have wonderful family i have wonderful friends and i think in a lot of ways they help expand me um but one way that they can sometimes cage me uh, stemming from a quote it's not the cruel criticism from folks who hate us that scares us away from our knowing it's the quiet concern of those who love us she also says, this life is mine alone, so I have stopped asking people for directions to places they've never been. Mm. Um, Kylie, I know that you know that I do this because I will often ask your opinion on things that's something that I should probably make a decision on my own. Or I'll ask my partner Caleb something that I should do when it's something that I should choose for myself. I think in a lot of ways we've been conditioned to think that that's us being hu- humble and and seeking inspiration from other sources and knowledge, but genuinely the best inspiration um and source of inspiration for yourself is going to be from within from yourself from your knowing 100 percent. i think it's very common and again especially among women you get in a circle of women at some dinner or event and how common is it for um us to hear women asking each other oh how do you think this makes me look or mm-hmm. um or asking advice on like dating situations like oh this guy hasn't texted me back in four hours what does that mean about him or my relationship um we're very prone to want validation i think and um reassurance from the people around us and i don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that but i think that the uh the trouble comes when we use our um when we substitute other people's opinions um in place of our own understanding or our own um we're I think we're taught to distrust ourselves a lot and that is one thing that she also references quite a bit is um how often we distrust even our own bodies and like our bodies will indicate things to us right um they'll we'll have feelings and uh we would rather dismiss our own feelings um in favor of you know keeping the peace and um, making sure not to offend or hurt other people um, then acting on our own feelings or our own intuition and potentially harming someone that we that we really love and care about and um, I know I can probably speak for both of us when I say that you know making um, a larger decision um, in your life to for example step away from a high demand religion um, some of these experiences are examples of times when people are might be hurt by your choices um, and that might also have nothing to do with um, who you are as a person. It may not mean anything about um, your character um, or your love for those people, especially. Um, and I think that that's a roadblock we run into in, in so many areas of our mm-hmm. lives where it's easier for us sometimes to make choices that um, other people will approve of than it is for us to make choices that um, we know are the right choices for ourselves. Yeah. So along the same vein of, um, you know, being taught to kind of distrust our body or our own intuition, um, it's interesting because as a person who does have um, diagnosed anxiety, well, specifically OCD and also um, depressive 
um, disorder. I also... Um, Carly's collecting them all. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm trying to find all of them. I actually think TikTok recently diagnosed me with ADHD as well, <laughs> so maybe I can add that to the list. Just kidding. Go to your doctor if you think you have it. Um, get a formal diagnosis. But um, but I do think that like it's, it's also pretty common. We have a lot of rhetoric, um, both within, um, I think, Christian... Christian faith and also just in general that, um, you know, if you are not making good choices that you're going to feel a certain amount of anxiety or a certain amount of depression. Um, and I think for a long time I told myself that, um, I must be sinning and that's why I have anxiety. You know, I must not be living a perfect life and God is punishing me with, um, these feelings of paralysis Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, uh, not even fully understanding that like, I had a medical condition that like I, I did need, um, some extra serotonin that, um, I was not producing naturally. So, um, I needed some help and, um, that was something that I had a really hard time, um, kind of untraining myself, um, to really dig deeper into the feelings of anxiety and depression I had and to say, um, there were certain things that were triggering these feelings, um, definitely. And I, I've done a lot of work through therapy and through, um, other means to better understand myself and where those feelings come from. Um, but as well, it's just a medical condition. And, um, one thing that, yeah, Glennon does fall back on quite a bit is, um, the idea that our bodies will tell us things. Our bodies are a source of knowledge and inspiration. Um, she even says your body will tell you things your mind will talk you out of. Ooh. Um, like how often do I we, I know, I, I love that quote. <laughs> How often do we feel something deeply and completely ignore our gut feeling and then regret it later? Um, sometimes sometimes it's when you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't walk to the car by myself. Right. I could be in a dangerous situation. As a woman, I have that thought anytime I walk anywhere. Um, but it's always the one time you ignore the feeling that you do a lot of times end up in kind of a jeopardized situation, right? Right. <clears throat> Um, so what, what are some of the other cages that you felt, um, like resonated with you, um, that either she discussed or other ones that you felt Mm -hmm. you found in personal reflection? Um, this one is kind of related to one we were talking about earlier with regards to like humility, tearing yourself down. Um, Glennon says, be careful with the stories you tell about yourself. And I Mm. think that it is like second nature to myself, probably because it was the learned nature to, knock myself down for everything my intelligence my sense of humor my body my ability to parent my um how you show up as a friend how i show up as a friend you are great at apologizing for being five minutes late to lunch or whatever it is yeah uh, i just uh, i think that we're taught oh that makes you a better person because Mm. you are nothing yeah things like that i was really great at thinking horrible things about myself Uh yeah And so I really love that Glennon's saying to you to be careful about those stories that you tell yourself because the more that you tell yourself that, the more that you become that, or the more that you become hyper aware of that about yourself. I think that uh, mostly about my body, Mm -hmm. Um, the more negative that I think I am about my body, the more that I say it, the more that I see it and think it and say it. And it goes on and on and on. The more that we tear ourselves down and we tell ourselves that, yeah, we're just becoming better. Mm -hmm. We're saying this to to make ourselves humble and to become better. Um, The less that we get to enjoy every moment, the less that we get to feel happy and contented with what we're able to do right now and be and 
So limiting. Yes. I think that's what it is, right? Those limiting beliefs that we're telling ourselves we can't possibly be happier. We can't possibly be happy right now because of this thing, because of my weight, because mm-hmm. of um, the way that I'm showing up or um, the ways that I'm not enough. Um, and think of how much more capacity we might feel for joy, for happiness, um, if we didn't put a limitation on that and thought, you know, however I show up today, I am going to experience as much joy as I can in my circumstances and in my surroundings. Um, every time we put limits on that, um, you know, we really do confine ourselves to, you know, a state that is not joy-filled, is not conducive yeah. to, to feeling and experiencing all of a range of human emotions. And um, that is one thing that Glenn mentions a lot is how important it is to like feel every feeling and to not limit ourselves to only feeling you know, positive emotions, but mm-hmm. even those negative emotions that naturally come as we, um, as we recognize things that are hurting us mm-hmm. or, um, you know, as we are actively participating in things that might be causing us harm, um, you know, it's important for us to feel every range of emotion and, um, not shame ourselves into, um, avoiding the processing of some of those harder feelings. I loved her story about her daughter who, um, (laughs) her daughter who was so upset when she learned about how the ice caps are melting and polar bears as a result are dying. And she, I guess her daughter kept bringing it up in school. And finally her teacher like contacted um, Glennon and said, she's making all the other kids sad and cry (laughs) because she keeps bringing it up so much. Um, and Glennon said, like, it's, you know, she's not wrong to be heartbroken over the polar bears. The rest of us are crazy to not be heartbroken, um, over the polar bears. And, um, I felt the same way about a lot of things that I've learned with like social issues, right? Like Mm -hmm. as I better understood how, um, racism plagues our society, how sexism plagues, plagues our society, homophobia plagues our society, all these huge things that weigh heavily yeah oh yeah Yeah. we also have an actual plague great point um yeah these things that do weigh so heavily on our minds and on our hearts um we can't avoid thinking about and talking about um these things and in a lot of ways we cage ourselves um when we refuse to look further into those hard emotions those hard feelings um and when we only allow ourselves to experience um joy um Mm -hmm. it's just impossible to only experience joy one of the last things that i want um to mention is my cage is also kind of related to what you were saying right now in that i feel like a lot of social issues that do weigh down on me uh, because full disclosure i am a white woman and and i'm bi but I feel like I can't say that because I am married to a man. You definitely can. Again, this is a we're a very validating space. This is this is safe space. Mm, Um, I just feel like there are so many things that um, are wrong with this world. Uh, A big one, also for me, I think related to uh, sexism and racism and homophobia is capitalism. Ooh. Because a lot of people are benefiting from putting people down. 
for real. <laughs> Um, so I like that Glennon mentions something specific to capitalism and careers and drive. She says, hard work is important. So are play and non-productivity. My worth is not tied to my productivity, but to my existence, I'm worthy of rest. Um, this is something that is like almost a little emotional for me because I do feel like I always need to be moving and caring and, and working on things. And I do think that's true, but I also think that I have tied it to my worth as a person and as an employee, as a mom, as a member of society, mm-hmm. as a, a member of those organizations that I'm so yeah. passionate about. Like I need to be constantly working. My worth as a human being and is inherent. Is inherent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that. <clears throat> love that. Um, and uh, so after she talks about all the things that um, cage us and again I also kind of like challenge everyone to take a second think about it maybe pause the episode um, write it down somewhere like what are some things that you feel like are caging you that are limiting your ability to like hear your own voice and to recognize your own knowing um, and I think if we don't slow down enough to think through those mm-hmm. things um, it's very easy to just accept that some of the cages around us are normal they're just part of life right mm-hmm. like for example, um, although our th- thoughts about productivity are a cage, um, we have to hold the job <laughs> to like exist. So it'd be easy for me to be like, well, you know, it's normal for me to uh, be a workaholic because um, it's just natural. I have to pay my bills, got to pay rent, got to um, keep their conditioning on. Like I'm going to have to do certain things, jump through certain hoops. Um, and also if I was to really think critically about um, my, how my thoughts are limiting my ability to like feel and experience joy. I might also recognize how many internalized ideas about what I, for example, owe to my workplace. Like, do Mm -hmm. I owe overtime to my workplace on a busy week or, um, am I supposed to take on additional responsibilities outside my role Mm -hmm. and not get paid for them? Um, I might think more critically about, um, certain aspects of, that productivity cage um, that are limiting me and in reality I might let go of some of those things that um, are not allowing me to feel and experience um, you know a full range of emotion and and joy in my day-to-day so yeah take a second think about it as you pause and come back uh, we want to talk about some keys um, that Glennon gives as well yeah so we'll kind of shift gears a little bit so she talks first about how she recognized her own cages and came to grips with, um, you know, an understanding of the the repercussions of a lot of those cages. Um, she mentions that a lot of those cages were, um, inhibiting her emotions, her intuition, her imagination, and her courage. Those are things that she especially references. Um, but then she also mentions three keys, um, that kind of helped her to, open the metaphorical door to the cage Mm -hmm. and to free herself to kind of higher levels of thought and of experience and you want to talk about the first one key number one is to feel it all even the really ugly feelings this is an important one people i'm pretty sure my therapist told me that like three days ago (laughs) and i'm like but logically what should i be doing next they're like just feel Okay, but is there an easy, is there a shortcut? Like, what's a way to, like, process everything without having to, like, sit in the yeah. icky feelings? I think once my therapist actually chided me because I asked her how to feel the feelings, she was like, are You've you never tried right before? 
She's like, this is the first time around for you? Yeah. I hope she recommended sitting in your car in a rainy day, mm-hmm. roll your windows up, have a good cry. That's mm-hmm. always where I feel my feelings best. Yeah. 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 Really important. Um, then she mentions that key number two is uh, be still and know. Um, so again, she kind of reiterates that like having quiet time is really important to recognizing your voice. I think this is one of the hardest things I had to grapple with when I did um, step away from the Mormon church was that I had always been taught that like um, I would hear some kind of voice validating um, truth, right? Mm -hmm. And that like um, in this case, it was the voice of like the spirit, the spirit of God um, who would manifest truth to me. And I really started to have trouble recognizing my own voice versus Mm -hmm. the spirit, right? When I feel a thought, I would think, is this the spirit? Mm -hmm. Is this me? Is this potentially Satan creeping in? <laughs> Satan, yes. <laughs> the devil infiltrating my thoughts to tempt me and lead me away to destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, which of the voices is it? And I would just, uh, man, I would really stew over that sometimes when I'd have a thought to think, um, well, you know, is this thought really coming from me? Is mm-hmm. it coming from God? Is it, you know, where is the origin of this thought? And I think a lot of the trouble is that we don't even have time to sit and really sit in our feelings in quiet time um, enough to decipher mm-hmm. between the the origin of a lot of our thoughts. Um, it's easy if you're, for example, if all you did was listen to one podcast. I have a couple podcasts I'm pretty close to only listening to <laughs> all day, every day. Um, but if I was only to listen to one podcast, for example, um, and all I did was have that on repeat all day long, um, I can see that it'd be really easy to, um, have trouble recognizing my thoughts, um, versus the host of the podcast thoughts. Um, and, uh, so I think it's, it's all about finding balance, right? And that could be for any form of media or any, um, information intake that you're having, whether it is, um, you know, receiving information from an organization, from a religion, Mm -hmm. from your family, from, um, you have another example. (laughs) Where else would you like gather information? Uh, well, I think sometimes people pick one news outlet. Oh, that's a really good one. Um, but also as you're talking, it made me realize, um, I've done a lot of work into inner child work. And Mm -hmm. I think that probably the time that we are the most impressionable is in our childhood, but also the time that we are most in tune with ourselves. Yeah. Is during our childhood. So um, maybe you want to uh, sit alone, have some quiet peace. Maybe you also want to do something that you really liked as a child. It's like draw with crayons. Finger painting. on the Play-Doh. But really like, I don't know, connect with yourself on that basic level so that you can be away from everything mm-hmm. else, um, both inside your brain and physically manifesting outside. Yeah, I love that. Nature time, like sitting exactly. in nature is like yeah. a big one. Um, you know, nature church is something that I've now substituted it. for my Sunday worship service. So um, that's perfect. You want to talk about the third one? Yeah, I think that connects very well into it. And that she says, key number three is to dare to imagine. Um, and I think children again are very good at that uh a quote from her is instead of asking ourselves what is right or wrong we should be asking ourselves what is true and beautiful i think something that i can personally learn from that is that it's those shoulds the shoulds that i was about Mm -hmm. to say 10 minutes ago the things that 
you know that you should do because society has told you to do it or shouldn't do because society has told you not to do it. This is in no way advocating for you to like break the law or well, it depends which law. <laughs> Some are more important than others. <laughs> um, and maybe you can know that by asking yourself what is true and beautiful. Um, treating people kindly, true and beautiful. Yeah. Um, doing the things that you love on your own time, true and beautiful. Um, for me, it's interesting the the personal experience that came to mind um, was again having um, been raised, especially here within like a cultural sense too, within mm-hmm. Utahs really common for people to get married super young and again start popping out babies around 20 i think is probably the average age um laughing because she's right laughing because also it hurt to me (laughs) you're a little you got a couple years on 20 um not too many but uh no i think uh it was interesting for me i still remember standing at a wedding of a good friend of mine i was standing next to my mom and um i remember turning to my mom and saying I never want to get married. Like marriage does not sound fun to me. Um, I had seen so many of my friends already get married at this point. Again, I was probably like 22. Already seen a lot of friends get married and already seen a lot of relationships fall apart. And um, I remember my mom turning to me and saying, your reference of marriage is something that you based on your failed relationships. Like you are thinking of marriage as um, something that would happen between you and a partner who obviously wasn't right for you because you're not together anymore, right? So I was imagining how horrible it would be to be married to several um, ex-partners of mine. Um, And I I just think that we're not able to um, see, if we don't allow ourselves to see a full um, range of possibilities about what our future could look like, um, then again, we... You know, we could be having a good life, but what if we could be having a better life? Um, You know, and I think that that question kind of sits heavy with me where I'm always thinking like, okay, I might enjoy this thing. Would I enjoy this other thing more? But I have to ask myself the question in order to, you know, find the answer. Mm -hmm. And for me, I had to ask myself, um, you know, am I also not enjoying the idea of being married to a man because I like women? Like, (laughs) could could also be that too, right? I had to allow myself to see a full range of possibilities um, before I could imagine what would be the most true and beautiful um, life possibilities for me personally. Yeah. I don't know if you felt this way, Kylie, but I think sometimes though that that choice is kind of paralyzing. You're like, Mm -hmm. I can never make a decision because what if the next decision (laughs) is is better? Truly, we're just saying to listen to yourself. Don't make decisions in the moment unless you feel like this is the moment yeah doesn't mean you need to take 10 years to make that decision but if it takes you 10 years that's okay too it's true that's, that's where just I'm at. really like listen to yourself um maybe going back to one of those past cages like mm-hmm. don't go right to your trusted family and friend and ask them their opinion on this unless you feel like inside yourself that's what i need to do i need to talk this out i need i need to vocalize this um, for it to be able to click and make sense for me and for me to make that decision. It's all you, baby. And to kind of like tie it all together, um, one of my other favorite references that she makes is to the story of Adam and Eve. Um, and I know oftentimes <clears throat> Eve gets a lot of flack. <laughs> and we have a lot of... Rip Eve. Yeah, seriously, poor Eve. Um, we have a lot of shame around um, womanhood as a result of Eve's um, decision to... 
um, eat the apple. And um, it's, it's just interesting because uh, Glennon um, compares this experience to how a lot of times we want, um, we want something more as women. We want more knowledge. We want more understanding. We want to live a life that is more congruent with, again, our, our desires, our hopes, our dreams. And um, a lot of times we might feel like we are going to be making a, you know, ground shaking decision that could cause a lot of disruption by reaching beyond what is um, expected of us. Um, and in this case, Eve did reach for that apple. She ate the apple. And Glennon says, maybe Eve was never meant to be our warning. Maybe she was meant to be our model. Own your wanting. Eat the apple and let it burn. Let it burn. Really think about that. Think about the things that um, you're yearning for and allow yourself to reach a little further for them. Mm-hmm. On that note of extending an invitation to all who are listening. <laughs> if anyone's left all here. Hey! Here. Um, we've mentioned about how we should t- spend some time being still. Um, spend some time knowing you're wanting, owning that wanting. Um, one of the things that we have both found helpful in doing that is keep a journal and ask yourself mm-hmm. those questions. Yeah, keeping a journal has definitely been helpful for me as well. Um, I've also just found that you know, being consistent with journaling is hard. So, um, yeah, being intentional about setting aside time, like when I look at my week and think, okay, maybe I can set aside 20 minutes on these three days somewhere Mm -hmm. in my week. Um, and then going somewhere specific to do that journaling for me, I live close to the Canyon. So I love driving up the Canyon and finding a quiet place to sit, do a little meditation Mm -hmm. and journaling. Um, but when I make it more of an event, like, Oh, I'm going to go journal, um, versus like, oh, I'll write something before I fall asleep and wake up the next morning and realize none of it was coherent. Um, yeah, setting aside specific time and intentional time is important. And maybe for you it is to do it before you go to bed. Just know what you want. Um, and I like the Kylie said, just make it a realistic goal, something that yeah. you want to do. Um, and then we have a couple questions that have been helpful for us as we are journaling to help us untame ourselves, acknowledge our cages and whatnot. One of the first questions that I'll list to you right now is, in what ways are you living out of harmony with your knowing? This would take time for you to know by sitting still and listening to yourself that there are things outside of what you internally want, know, um, that are maybe dragging you down, maybe making aspects of your life harder to live or to find joy in. Yeah. Yeah. And what are some of the um, influences? Um, I would say influences that could be people, um, media uh, choices. It could be um, music that you're listening to, whatever it is. What are some of the, the things that are most influential um, in um, taking away from your knowing as well? So um, what are some things that are maybe distracting Um from your knowing and as you write about those things you could even kind of discern between sources of media that are helping you um, to um, you know recognize your wants your desires um, that are helping you um, you know live more in line with um, some of those core ideas that you have and then which of the things you feel like are distractions or um, are negatively impacting your mm-hmm. ability to connect with yourself yeah 
Um, another thing that we want to encourage you to do is take yourself on a date. Um, go by yourself. That's important. I think a lot of times we're like, oh, we're doing this fun thing. I should invite my friend. I should invite my partner, my child, whatever. Mm-hmm. No, do this by yourself. Go yeah. by yourself to do this one thing. It doesn't need to be long. It can be 10, 15 minutes. Yep. You take yourself to the dentist's office by yourself. You can take yourself on a little date that is enjoyable. I think becoming comfortable with spending time alone is important to mm-hmm. also getting to the root of your desires and your and learning to recognize your voice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's really easy to, especially in the world we live in, to like have constant media intake as well. Mm-hmm. So something I try and do is um, when I do go on a walk or a run in the morning, um, not have headphones in. Yeah. Um, and that's also hard for me. I love music. I love podcasts. But um, how how many other times during your day are you not intaking media? Like when you really think about it. It's true. At least for me personally, I don't want anyone to look at my... Um, your usage. Yeah, my time every usage. Every time you're like, bye. <laughs> somehow every week it goes up from the last week and I'm just thinking like how is that even possible eventually isn't there like a max don't I max out somewhere um but I do think that uh yeah it's very common to just always be intaking information intaking others opinions and others thoughts and how often are you just stopping to listen to your own so be comfortable being alone advice from two introverts (laughs) who were always comfortable being alone and we'll leave you with that if it's hard for you, um, it's okay. It's okay if it's a process, but um, it's it's worth taking the time and energy to get to that place. Absolutely. That's our discussion for today um, on Untamed. It's not the normal format that we're going to have for other podcast episodes, but um, we wanted to share with you why this podcast is important to us. We wanted you to know about how the knowing about our knowing changed the way that we view life and we wanted a way to springboard and be able to ask ourselves, but now what? So we hope that you ask that of yourself at the end of this episode. (laughs) Maybe it's, but now what do I do? (laughs) But now why have I been sitting here for the last hour? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we'll see you back next week with a different topic. So can't wait. Yep. See you. Bye.